0: Hello and welcome to the BL Portfolio podcast coming from Business Line's in-house research team. At BL Portfolio, we slice and dice stocks, mutual funds, insurance and other financial products as well as give you sound ideas to manage your money. This is Parvata Vardini, Editor, BL Portfolio. If you are an avid investor, we have an interesting topic for today's times. Valuations. I have with me Hari Vishwanath, Deputy Head of Portfolio, the perennial bear who sees every reason for valuations of many stocks as well as the markets to correct. As far as I am concerned, well, I am not such a pessimist. But wait, is there a scientific way to size up a stock or a security? What are the advantages of doing this? What are some of the pitfalls to guard against? Hari is writing extensively on these questions in a two-part series. In fact, he already wrote the first one in last week's edition of BL Portfolio in the Big Story section, both in print and in online. And the next is coming out this Sunday, the 15th of October. Let's see what Hari, the bear, has to say.
1: Hi, Hari. Hi, Vardhani. Thanks for that introduction. But to make things clear, let me clarify that I'm neither a bear or a bull. I've always (laughs) been a fundamental analyst all my life. That's great. Then you are always going by valuations, I guess. Yes, always valuations will remain a fundamental analyst. Okay. So it's like when I think a stock is overvalued based on fundamental analyst I'm termed a bear. So the thing is that we've gone through a market phase where we've had a pretty massive rally. You've seen this uh, news like two, three weeks back when Kotak actually withdrew ratings for mid-cap stocks saying that valuations were irrational. Okay. So probably you could put me in that category where I find I'm unable to justify the prices at which many stocks are trending today.
0: Understood. So, I think that is also one of the reasons why you decided to write on it and write extensively over two weeks. Yes. So, Hari, last week when you wrote uh, your first part, you received a lot of positive feedback. And, uh, see, even uh, after being here uh, for uh, such a long time, it surprises me when I see a buy call on a stock by one analyst and a sell call on the same stock by another both coming out at the same time. So, yes. Yes. It, for a newbie, it can be very confusing. So, yes. Yes. So why should one at all get into this valuation exercise when the outcomes can be so different?
1: Yes. Uh, see, the best uh, example we can consider is TCS, which came out with its results a few days back. Uh, TCS is actually a well mature stable company. Mm. You can have big differences in price targets for a company like Tesla. Mm. Like like three, four years back there unless who believe Tesla will go bankrupt, there are unless who believed it will be a multi-bagger. So you had extremely wide price ranges. TCS is not in that category. It's actually a quite stable company. But after TCS results came out a uh, few days back, that is one analyst with a price target of 2,900 mm. and another with a price target over 4,000. Okay. So why these differences, whether it is even predictable companies or companies which for whom the outcomes can be diverse mm. over the next few years, uh, like a new age company. Mm. Uh, the reason is because... Valuation is in the eye of the beholder. Mm. Valuation is an art, and which is what uh, Professor Ashwat Damodaran always says, a valuation is backed by a story. Mm. Valuation is not just numbers, it's a combination of numbers and stories. Mm. So the story brings in changes to the price targets Mm. that analysts give for the same stock. It could be anything. See, valuation is impacted by everything. Global economy, domestic economy, uh, currency changes, Mm -hmm. Uh, competition in the industry. Mm. So many factors. So tweaks to each of these can bring about a difference in valuation. Mm -hmm. Crude prices, if that crude is an input uh, raw material uh, for that company. So there are various facts that are involved in finally arriving at the valuation of a stock. Mm. Uh, so, uh, and so see, you could expect a different interest rate and that can impact the valuation of a stock. Understood. I'll give you the simple, uh, the best way to look at it is, let us say there is a company A, which has been growing its earnings at 10% for the last five years, and continue to grow for the next five years. Let's take that for illustration. You can't give the stock the same valuation today as you gave in 2020, because in 2020 globally, Interest rates were at all-time lows. Including India, although we never gone to close to zero interest rates, we our repo rate was close to four point five percent. Today it's about six point five percent. So this alone, everything else being same, this alone should bring about a change in valuation. Understood. So interest rates and so many factors like uh, what is the excess returns you expect over the interest rate, mm. all these change the final.
0: Understand, Hari. So I get your point. The same time, so from what you're saying, I gather that you know valuation cannot be a very precise science, as you say, because there are too many moving parts, and it's in the eyes of the beholder as well, because of the reason that every uh, stock may have a story. So that being not a precise science, so it's only an art form. So, and I'm sure, like the multiple art forms that we are aware of, there are plenty of ways also to do valuations. Yes. So, what is the most uh, traditional way of doing it? Like, I'm sure successful investors. Like a Warren Buffet, for example, yeah. would have had his own method of valuation.
1: Yes, see, there are primarily two approaches to valuation one is the absolute uh, method of valuation, the other is relative. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about absolute first, which is what I wrote last week. Uh, in absolute valuation, you try to arrive at the intrinsic value of a stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is intrinsic value? Ac- according to Buffett, it's a number that is impossible to pinpoint but essential to estimate. Okay, uh, basically, it represents. That once you make an investment, what is the cash you can generate out of it? To give a simple example, I want change for 100 bucks, I give you 100, uh, and I need 10 tens from you. Uh, if you give it back to me, the value of the 100 I gave to you is uh, uh, 100. Mm. But let us say for some reason you give me back only 90, mm. and I'm unable to get back the last 10 from you. Mm. The value of the 100 I gave to you is only 90. Mm. All right, so uh, b- basically, my 100 has become 90 because I could extract only 90 out of that uh, 100 that I gave you. So just for so, I hope with this I'm trying, uh, people can understand what intrinsic value is. But let us say I give you 100 today and tomorrow you say you'll give me back 110. Uh, The value of my 100 is actually 110, that's the intrinsic value. So intrinsic value, you try to estimate what is the cash you can get out after you make your investment. It could be either, let's say in this case of a stock, it could just be dividends for eternity, or it could be dividends dividend for the next five years and the value at which you're able to exit it at the end of five years. In the case of an FD, it is the interest you can get every year and the final and the final uh, repayment you can get back from the bank. So that represents intrinsic value. So very simple terms, uh, the cash you can get out of an investment. Uh, so why is it difficult to estimate in stocks? Because the same example I gave to you on why valuation uh, price targets are so different. It's very difficult to estimate. So you have to develop a process. Uh, you have to understand the company, the industry, look at all variables and try to arrive at what is the intrinsic value of this stock. So
0: how do you actually arrive at the intrinsic value? Yes. So in the
1: absolute uh, valuation mm-hmm. method, the most common approach to arriving at intrinsic value is a discounted cash flow. Model. Okay. Uh, basically, you try to arrive at the net present value of the future cash flow. So, oh,
0: net present value. What is it exactly?
1: Yes. Uh, so, i give you 100 today and uh, you give me 100 next year. Uh, I get back 100 cash, but is it exactly worth the same? Mm-hmm. Like, let's say that is inflation. Well, okay. Like Yesterday, we had okay. inflation use of 5%. Okay. And uh, so, uh, uh, let's say 5% is going to be the inflation my money is worth lesser to the extent of inflation when i get it back next year
0: okay so all the cash flows that we expect in future which is discounted to
1: today's worth today's, today's worth okay in equities you just don't discount with inflation mm. what's well, normally you take the government 10 year yield as the proxy for uh, risk free rate when it comes to discounting uh, cash flows okay but in equities you're not investing in equities to get back the government you need something more. Government. Yeah. Related. So okay. if I want 7.2 to 7.3% return, I will buy the 10-year government bond. Why should I buy a TCS or a Reliance or any other company? Okay. So you also factor in what is the excess return you expect over. Uh, okay. This
0: is another as the second element, element. Uh, which you yes uh, factor in for a DCF. Yes. Okay. So
1: you try to estimate what is the free cash flow to equity. That is out of the profit the company is making. What is the cash left after uh, reinvestment needs? That is the cash that is left for return to equity shareholders. Hypothetically, assume that entire money is returned as dividend. That is the cash you can get back. So you try to discount that based on the expected return. Okay. The expected return will be your uh, government bond, 10-year bond rate. Okay. Plus the, something known as the cost of equity. Okay. There is a formula to compute uh, cost of equity. Right. uh, Okay, I am
0: sure if readers look this up online uh, and all that, we have also cited some pages of Ashwad Damodaran in in your story uh, last week that people can read up. So, I am sure they will get more clarity when they read on this. But, uh, you know, as it sounds uh, very complicated, I thought, you know, there should be some other easier way of doing this valuation because not every investor has the time to do this DCF model. So, we are also used to using price to earnings to judge the value of a stock, isn't it? So
1: so yeah. the most prevalent method is relative valuation which is what we're writing about in the coming sundays uh, uh, big story see it's not possible for everyone to do a dcf and even those who do it we get different price targets there is uh, you sometimes there is lack of information or too many stocks to work on there are complications involved in estimating multiple variables, that is the most common used approach is relative valuation. You believe that market prices statistically reflect something, all right? Uh, You believe in the wisdom of the crowd. Actually like for decades people have been trading in the markets, the statistical data you can gather out of it gives you a perspective of when stocks are overvalued, stocks are Undervalued. So in relative valuation you try to compare stocks based on their uh, PE or uh, price by book or enterprise value metrics and then you try to determine whether a stock is cheap or expensive.
0: Okay. So, and this comparison, I know that it can be, you know, comparison to your peers in the industry or comparison to your own historical uh, valuations or, you know, so that's how it is done, isn't it? Yes, yes, exactly.
1: Mm -hmm. See, uh, just looking at PE will not give you too much of insights all right so it's like you buy a car just based on its engine power mm. but that is not the only reason you want to know what is the cost to maintain the car what, i mean what is uh, what is its fuel efficiency there are multiple factors you consider before buying a car so you just don't do it just based on one metric okay so a P along a p of 10 15 20 100 doesn't mean anything mm. unless it is seen in the context of what is the historical PE of the company or what is the growth of the company, let us say there are two companies, A and B, both are trading at, the, at a PE of 15. And one is expected to double its earnings and the other is expected to grow its earnings only by 10. Based on these two factors alone, the company that is doubling its earnings is cheaper mm. because you get more over the next one year. Of course, then you also have to see what is the difference in corporate governance of the two companies. There are many factors to consider. So P has to be seen contextually with multiple other valuation metrics, quantitative as well as qualitative metrics. Okay. For you to arrive at a decision on whether to buy or
0: And that uh, applies sell to your list. other metrics, the enterprise metrics. Enterprise also, value no?
1: metrics also, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, so um, uh, multiple metrics have to be assessed uh, in relative valuation to Okay, and these
0: data. metrics, as you say, can be numbers based, and outside of numbers, it can be qualitative. It can be a story
1: also. Also, okay. Although, let's say at uh, at BL portfolio, uh, uh, we've been uh, we've been very cautious of new age stocks, and our calls have worked really well for us over the last two three years. Mm. There are people who gave very bullish targets on uh, new age companies, mm. in, including some sell-side analysts. They had a story, and based on which they had some number. To justify those targets. So basically everyone makes their own assessment, each of us have to see what looks reasonable for us. Correct. For example, uh, when I gave my call on Zamato and asked investors to avoid it, the way I came to that conclusion was, of course it was a new in- industry in India, there is no comparable. Uh, I looked at the history of all high growth new age companies that had listed in the US uh, Bit uh, from 2000 onwards. Mm. And when I assessed whether uh, any of these companies gave good returns at the multiple at which Zomato listed, there are close to none. Okay. Uh, the only company which listed at a very high EV to sales, enterprise value to sales, was Facebook, mm. which listed at almost 25 times EV to sales, but still gave stellar returns. The reason was because Facebook had amazing margins. Facebook had like... Uh, 30 to 40 percent operating margins. All right, so a company with 40 percent operating margins and which was dominating its space could list at 25 times EV by revenue and give stellar returns. Zomato was list- listing at a very high EV by revenue with negative EBITDA margins. There is no comparison. So by comparing Zomato's valuation with International peers, Understood. I can make a call that yeah. investors should avoid. So we were right most part of the time. Zomato came down to forty-five last year, but then it's recovered. Like now it's close to hundred. I still believe that its valuation is expensive and it will correct from current level. So we make our assessment by comparing. Sure, Hari. And then there is the uh, see. Then there is an element of little bit of judgments you have to make. Correct. So I guess that improves with experience. And process. Correct. So,
0: that takes us back to this uh, assumption that, you know, valuation is only an art form and not a precise sign. Yes. So, as you progress, as in any art form, you, you shine better. So Yes, exactly. I'm, yeah. That was an interesting conversation, Hari, that uh, we Trans- had. Yes. Uh, uh, listeners, that's it from us this week. Stay tuned for further podcasts and actionable advice from us at BL Portfolio. Read us in print on Sundays and online at the hindubusinessline.com slash portfolio. Do share our podcasts in your circles if you find them useful. Thank you.